Hello, and welcome to Outer Spaces, a podcast dedicated to empowering designers and contractors in the outdoor living space. Through this show, we hope to create a powerful resource for you, someone who is trying to grow their company, but might not have all the tools and processes to do so. On Outer Spaces, we are passionate about breaking the chains of small mindsets and helping contractors just like you take control of their businesses and their lives. My name is Joshua Gillow. And I'm Dwayne Drawn. Through our 40 years of combined dirt under the nails experience, we look forward to sharing tips, strategies, and other contractor success stories here on the Outer Spaces podcast. Without further ado, let's get on with the show. Hello, welcome back to the Outer Spaces podcast. This is your host, Joshua Gillow, flying solo today. Dwayne Drawn's actually heading to uh, Hartford, Connecticut for the Northeast Hardscape Expo. And uh, so I'm on here with, with a very special guest. Uh, he's a CEO of K&D Landscaping out of uh, Santa Cruz, California. His parents started the company years ago, but uh, he's taken that that mom and pop to 10 million in, in, uh, in just four years. So it's really impressive. I want to figure out how he did it. I want to share with you guys that stuff. And it, I know this guy's going to have a ton of jewels for us today. So without any further ado, Justin White, how you doing today? Doing great, Josh. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here with you. Absolutely, man. I'm excited to have you on here. And uh, so why don't we just start out with uh, your story? You know, how did you start? What was it like growing up with your parents in business? Because I it's the same way. So I'm curious to hear your story. <laughs> yeah, it's, it is interesting growing up uh, within a family business, a lot of dynamics, a lot of business talk at the dinner table, which always kind of got my mom going. But um, so yeah, we started, look, my parents started the company right about when I was born, uh, right in the late 90s, early early 90s, late 80s. And it was just kind of a lifestyle business. My dad started to make a little extra money on the side while he was uh, he was a chef actually at a resort. And, you know, he got off early, so he had some time. So he started mowing lawns. Pretty soon it, it turned into a full-on landscaping business, really, really maintenance focused, residential maintenance. And as time went on, they they kind of grew that into a little more construction, commercial construction, and then commercial maintenance. Uh, probably hit the one million mark right around the year two thousand. And so at a young age, we were going to the job site, working with my pops, and and then you know our office, my mom's office was in the back of the house, so we you know she was at home all the time, so we'd go bugger in the summer. <laughs> and and then probably I think around fourteen years old is when I really was able to get out on the job site. My first summer in between uh, freshman and sophomore year, I worked for my dad and, and worked with uh, some of the crews. So it was a different vibe going to the job site with my dad in his truck and then having to make a lunch, get in the truck with with some of the foremen and, and go to work all day. And that was a whole different experience, which taught me how to work hard and and how to not complain because those guys just put in the work, you know, 10 hours a day and, and they just did not stop. Um, so that was exciting. And a lot of great lessons and culture that I learned through that. All the way through high school, I never really thought I'd go into the business, honestly. I, I had bigger dreams, what I would say, is landscaping just wasn't exciting enough for me. But mm-hmm. as I wrapped up high school uh, in 2007, it just was a, is a, it was a nice little transition. Let's, let's do some full-time work for the dad. I'll be a foreman, you know, do some fun hardscape stuff and, and some construction. And I really just fell in love with it. And I had this plan of working for him for two years and going off to college. But in 2000, I was 2008, 2009 and, and the crash happened. And it was kind of an all hands on deck moment for our company where we were 
it was it was kind of like we were going out of business, but there was a chance to save it if we all just played our cards right. So we got with it. We got aggressive and and started getting after some jobs, and we were able to keep the crews working. At least the core guys. We we probably cut about half the guys within the first year, and then kind of started building back up from there in two thousand nine, two thousand ten, and I really enjoyed the grind of of finding work, estimating work, landing jobs. That was just a lot of fun for me. And so as, as time went on, I just stuck around and never really left. And, you know, 22, 23, I started running some bigger jobs and, and really found some, some excitement with that. Uh, 2015 was really the pivotal year for everybody. My, my parents, after 30 years, decided after the kids moved out, they wanted to go their separate ways. And so my mom moved up to Oregon and my dad kind of took some time off and, and really the company was left to myself. And I was excited for that. So me, my brother, my cousin, and my sister as well, we all kind of jumped in and said, let's run this thing. And if we all want to work here, we've got to grow it. You know, it's mm-hmm. paid well for my parents. But if four of us kids want to continue to work and we got to pay my mom off and buy her out and continue to work with my dad, we, we've got to really grow this thing. So I hired a business coach in 2015. I became the CEO and we created a vision for the company that was to grow to 30 million by 2030. We mapped it out on Excel spreadsheets and whiteboards and did all this planning stuff. And we started just working at it. We started going after new market segments. We started hiring the right people. Uh, really a focus on commercial maintenance and getting that recurring income model coming in. And, you know, Year after year, we packed on 20, 30% growth, sometimes 40. And by 2020, we were at 10 million. And that was just a moment in time two years ago. It was all COVID happened. I mean, it was a crazy year. We hit 2 million still. And uh, we we didn't even slow down. We just kept pushing hard. And we knew that COVID was our opportunity to seize a lot of talent, uh, to secure some really great contracts because we knew everyone else was slacking, mm-hmm. and to really build the Base. And really what I say is we wanted to build the rocket ship that's going to take us from 10 to 20. And really for the last, you know, 15, 16 months, uh, that's what we've been focused on is building that rocket ship. That's freaking amazing, dude. I love those stories like that. You yeah. guys just took what you had and you went. I remember 08, 09, you know, I was in business back mm-hmm. then. And I remember those years. And that was the one year that we almost didn't make it to black. It, we just skidded through, right? And then thank yeah. goodness it kicked back up again. But you're right, dude. It was it was, it was an interesting trying time. But to take what you, you know, all, all that you've been given and make something amazing and, and to bring family into it too. That's really cool. How was how the dynamic, you know, with brothers and, and sisters and, and your know, cousins, all that, how has that dynamic been a, a benefit and how has it been tough? I know a lot of family companies out there struggle with some of that. Yeah, it's, it's a, it's definitely can, can cut both ways. So I'll start with the positives, right? The positives is you're willing to call your family out a little bit more than maybe you're willing to call someone else out. Those <laughs> difficult conversations can be handled a little more uh, candidly with family versus someone who you may be worried about, you know, upsetting or overstepping. So, you know, it's good. You can go at family pretty hard, which creates some really great debate and mm-hmm. the outcome can be some amazing ideas. The negative, and, and then I'll add to that is you have some extremely dedicated people who are willing to fight yeah. with you on the front lines of battle uh, in the business world. The negatives I think is, is almost the same thing is, you can be overly candid and you can be overly critical and you can be overly direct with family, which can lead to some ruffling of feathers and 
maybe some, you know, really hardlining ideologies where you come up with your idea and you're you're not willing to settle with someone on on their idea because they're family and you know better than them. Yeah. Um, so sometimes that like brotherly thing can come up between my brother and I. My cousin and I work pretty well together. Uh, we typically can find a, a middle ground. And my sister and I, we work we work really well together. Um, she's super, super smart, brings a ton of great ideas. So my brother and I really butt heads a lot, but we've learned to utilize that to our advantage. And yeah. I'm, I'm the one always, you know, I'm, I'm shooting for the stars. I'm coming up with the next moonshot idea. And, and he's kind of the one like, hey, let's bring this back down to ground level. Let's figure out how we're going to actually do it. He's really the operator. I'm kind of the visionary. Mm -hmm. uh, so we, we balance each other out of that respect. How important is it to have that clear cut? You know, you talk about being a visionary and your brother more of the, you know, the, the if you will, implementer, uh, the one mm -hmm. that brings it back down like that. So that dynamic is so important in business and most don't realize it because when they first start out, they have to be both, right? But as you start to spread, you yeah. need to have those those roles filled well or they get to be you know, muddy. So how did you discover your visionary and how did you work with him for his implementer so that both of you feel like you're both you know, helping grow the business, but not one better than the other. Cause oftentimes the visionary, the entrepreneur gets like all the credit and it's like, Oh, this is what everybody wants to be, but it's not the case. Everyone needs to wear the right hat. How do you balance that? It's a great question, Josh. And to be honest, I think the visionary integrator role. So we, we've been practicing EOS for mm -hmm. about four years now, but 2018 yeah. is when we really started. Thanks to our, our business coach, Jonathan Goldhill. He's really got us on that, on that right track. He kind of specializes in family businesses so he's helped us kind of find our our voice and our place in the business. You know, we talk a lot. We use the Jim Collins reference about the right people in the right seats on the bus. Mm -hmm. And so in 2015, I was I was everything, right? I was an integrator. I was the visionary. I was a you know finance manager. You name it, I was doing it. Estimator, project manager. And as we started to grow, I started hiring people and putting them in these new positions: account managers and project managers and and I was constantly coaching my, my brother and my cousin to increase their leadership capacity and stay with the growth of the company, as I was doing as well. When a company is growing 30 or 40%, especially a family business, you're either going to outgrow the family and create some serious rifts, or the family is going to keep up with that growth and, and continue to be on the leadership level. Um, but it's really easy for the company to outgrow team members. And when those team members are equity partners and family members, especially siblings, it can, that's where you can create some real issues. So that's where Shane and I really kind of found our place organically. And, and I just was the visionary given the fact that I was, I was putting the vision out there and his behavior style is very much more of an operator. Mm -hmm. uh, we use some other softwares like, um, you know, the disk assessment and we use predictive index to identify the, the best behaviors where we fit as far as behavior. And he just fits in that operator seat. And, and the great thing is he, he loves it. He loves being with the employees. Mm -hmm. You know, he's really the employee advocate. We, we would always say he, he'd make a great union leader one day if he ever <laughs> went into that space. So he's just always like making sure the guys have what they need, making sure that their experience is fantastic every single day when they show up to work. And he really helps to put my ideas into action uh, on the front lines. And so it's, it's organically worked out really well. And now we're kind of relooking at things and trying to figure out where do we fit in uh, in the $20 million org chart 
because as you know, that's quite a jump from 10 to 20. No doubt. Um, and I think it's going to happen pretty rapidly here. That's amazing, dude. So excited for your, for your journey and, and all you've done. Yeah. Now, uh, I know a lot listening, a lot of people listening here, they're, you know, small business trying to, you know, get a foothold in this whole thing we call business and not under, not coming from a business school background and all that stuff, just trying to figure it out. Right. So a lot of times when we're growing, there's a lot of doubt that comes into our minds about exactly how to do it well and what position you should be in and what you should not be doing. And so how did you, uh, as you grow, how are you finding the right people and how are you handing these roles off? Like, how do you know how to do that and make sure they're the right fit and all that stuff? Like, so it's more about how do you start taking the hats off? Cause in the beginning we have them all on. Yeah. That that's a challenge for many of us, especially those who've built the business because we have this feeling like we're the best people that can do certain positions. You know, we're the best project manager and, you know, no one can sell like me. And, you know, how can I hand the finance off to someone, whatever, you're doing, there's always this feeling that no one else is going to be able to do it as good. So you, and you may be, honestly, you may be right. And so what you have to do is you have to find someone who can do it maybe 80% as good as you. And now instead of spending a hundred percent of your time, let's just say project managing, if you can find someone to do project management, 80% as good as you do. And you, you make up that other 20% by coaching that person. That's, that's when you can start kind of really handing off big responsibilities so my thing was, you know, really go out, find the best people, ideally people who are smarter and more experienced than myself, put them in those positions and then coach them on a day-to-day basis to help them succeed. I love that. I love that, dude. That's, that's great. Now, somebody starting out, maybe it's they're just hiring their first other person. Maybe they're the visionary and they're hiring their implementer or whatever. I'm trying to look for that. Is there any character traits you see throughout all your hiring that you look for? Like, look, I don't care what part of the business they're playing in. They need to have A, B, and C to be part of our team. Is there any, like some core fundamental things that you look for when hiring into either implementer or visionary roles or just in general? Yeah, I think just in general, we'll start there. So first, I I think it's really important to have a vision and a, a core values for your business. Uh, I'll also add some type of purpose for your business. So just to give some context for us, you know, we have core values such as professionalism and respect, hunger, humility, safety. And those, those drive our decision makings, those drive our, our hiring. And then our purpose is to raise the bar in the landscape industry. Uh, we just want to be better every day. We want to be the best landscape company in the world. That's our goal. We'll never get there, but we can, we can try to, mm-hmm. and our vision is 30 million by 2030. So depending if you're what size company you are, where you want to go, how quickly you want to get there. I think that has to be determined mm-hmm. so you can hire the right people that fit into that model and fit your culture. If you're a $10 million business and you're just saying, Hey, I'm just going to hold this thing at 10 million. And we just want to kind of be a lifestyle business. We don't want to grow. We just want to spit out five, 10% profit every year. You're going to want to get a different type of, let's just say, an integrator or COO than if you want to take the business from 10 to 20 million or 10 to 100 million, mm-hmm. right? So really knowing where you're going is important, even at the very beginning. You can always change your vision next month, next quarter, or next year. So don't worry about getting it wrong. It's just about having something and hiring to that. Once you have that, then it's really looking at, okay, what does this person bring to the table? And we like to hire on culture fit and mindset. We'll go back to that word mindset. 
over technical abilities because mm-hmm. we always feel we can train the technical side, but you can't train someone how to be hungry or driven or disciplined. You know, those are core values of someone that comes pre-installed before they join your company. So um, we'll go back. I, I use this uh, method and, oh boy, I think uh, Patrick Lencioni, that's who came up with this. It's, it's mm-hmm. a hungry, humble, smart. Yep. And if you know, you can find someone who's humble, willing to take criticism, willing to know they, they have more to learn. Uh, if you can find someone that's also hungry, not in the sense of I'm, I'm ready for breakfast, but in the sense that I want more out of this and I want to learn and I want to, I want to drive growth and I want to get to the next plateau, the next level. And then you can get someone who's, who's also smart and not mm-hmm. so much book smart, but just more just smart in general, willing to, willing to really listen to other people and also provide their insight, ask good questions. Sometimes the smartest people in the room don't say anything other than ask great questions. So we really try to find someone who aligns with our vision, who wants for us, it's who wants to grow. And set, And then next is, all right, are they humble, hungry, and smart? Yep. And when we've found that we can definitely, definitively say yes to those three questions, those individuals make for great team members uh, and they're willing to pivot within the business. Because as you know, a growing business, the roles are constantly changing and there's new opportunities for leadership. And uh, we're going to go after a new division or a new segment in the market. And when you have those individuals on the bus, you can deploy those resources into different areas. And it doesn't matter where their experience is. If they have those values, they're going to be successful in pretty much any area you put them in. No, I totally agree, dude. And Lencioni definitely yeah. nailed it with that uh, triangle, if you will, of, of mm-hmm. needs, you know, and, and so as far as mindset, Justin, obviously you started as a mom and pop, you're growing uh, extremely fast. Uh, how are you keeping up growing as a leader to lead these teams? Uh, how are you working on your own mindset in order to keep that constantly moving forward? It, yeah, it, luckily I love learning and it's something that, to be honest, I, I never really did great in school and really pretty much finished up high school in three years, uh, just doing the bare minimum and, and kind of got out of there. It just wasn't my style, but I, I, ironically, I love learning. So I read a lot. I read probably, I read probably two books a month. I, you know, I've always got a book right next to me. And then I, I'm, I'm involved with uh, two different peer groups, uh, one through Vistage, which many people are aware of. And, and another one through this group called the ACE Peer Group, which is a landscape industry specific group uh, ran by Marty Grunder and his team. And then I'm, I'm just, I try to go to a bunch of conferences and try to get as much knowledge as possible. I, I go to a lot of Tony Robbins conferences to feed the, the mindset side of things yeah. and just that, Love that it. drive to be, you know, mm-hmm. the best you can be. So it's a constant insatiable thirst for knowledge. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Tony says this, right? He says success leaves clues. Yep. So I actually pretty much every week, my goal is to meet with at least one person who runs a much bigger company than mine and, and just ask them questions. And most people, if you reach out on LinkedIn or or Instagram or Facebook, whatever, and you see that they're the CEO of this big hundred million dollar company and you say, Hey, I'm, I want to grow to be your size one day. Would you mind jumping on a zoom and just let me ask you some questions? I have, I'm like 
that people mm-hmm. say yes to that. And it's amazing because I just hit them out of the out of the blue. Yeah. And most people are like, yeah, I'd love to. Like, can you send me a link? I'm like, yeah, there you go. Let's meet tomorrow. And so I try to just interview people who have done it. And I, I get a bunch of insight from that. It's really exciting. So, you know, you, you just got to be hungry for knowledge, I think, at the end of the day. I love it. I love it. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a, an insatiable hunger. And that's that's really where most of your extra time goes into, right? It's reading, it's, it's constant self-improvement and self-discovery. Do you find that as well? Oh yeah. Yeah. Self-discovery is huge. Like I meditate for at least 10 to 20 minutes a day. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, I try to go for like a 45 minute walk, maybe longer where I just walk with no intention. And what comes to you is these ideas out of nowhere. It's like someone just whispered into your ear and you're like, where'd that come from? And you know, your subconscious is filled and constant, your subconscious is filled with all these ideas, constantly just waiting for the opportunity to speak to you. And I think for me, that's why as soon as my head hits the pillow, like things get really loud in my head and it's hard to fall asleep because it's my subconscious is finally like, I got him. He's not distracted. He's not busy. He's not in a meeting. Yeah. And I just start, you know, these ideas just get fired off from my subconscious to my conscious. So yeah, the mindset and just you know, to, to be in tune with that part of your brain and give it the opportunity to talk to you, uh, I think is something that in this day and age with the technology and the constant distractions we have, like we're missing that. Um, we're almost blocking that out using, you know, social media and other, other distractions in our day-to-day life. Man, I can't agree with you more. And, and it's it, the meditation. It's the first thing I do when I get up in the morning is 10 to 15 minutes to meditate and then go for a run and all of that just to clear the mind out. There's so much computing capacity built in if you just give it some space, right? And just give it space to think. And that's really cool. And I love that you're a Tony guy too. That's, that's something that Dwayne and I do a lot of. So that's really cool. <laughs> <laughs> nice. It's really awesome. Yeah, you can tell a fellow Tony fan pretty quick. A hundred percent, hundred percent. No, I love it. I love it. So, um, you also talk about, you know, the customer experience. I noticed that, uh, in your bio that you, you were really big in that. Can you tell me a little bit about what customer experience means for you and how you guys are, are owning that, uh, environment? Yeah, we, we sum it up really quick and easy to our team is when you have an interaction with a, another human being really, but really definitely customers, the goal is to make their day better. And it's it's a pivot point in their day uh, that you can have you can be the catalyst to change the directory of their day, which eventually change the directory of their life. Hmm. And if you could just go out of your way to be polite, to just ask them a few questions about how their day is going, whether they're calling in or you see them on the job site, and it, and it doesn't have to be the the you know high end residential client. This could be like a superintendent on a commercial construction job who's overly stressed. And you just take a minute to see like, Hey, like, thanks for answering my question about the pavers, but like, how's your day going? And mm-hmm. if, and if we can be the catalyst and, and be that company that helps improve other people's lives from a day-to-day standpoint, we create a memorable experience. And, and it, so it starts there with that mindset. And then that kind of extrapolates into this whole other process of just how we communicate, um, responsiveness, just getting back to people, just really, I always say, you know, treat people how you want to be treated, but mm-hmm. more ideally, find out how they want to be treated and treat them like that. And, yeah. and that that has done very well for us. How does that empower your team when you tell them, look, your goal today is to make somebody smile, be that light yeah. in their life? Like, how does that how do you feel that that works with your team? What are they what's the response when you tell them crazy shit like that? 
<laughs> yeah, it's I've I've had a few people that are like, this is not my company. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. this is not where I want to be. <laughs> and and those people weed themselves out very quickly. Yep. And others are like, this is my this is my people. These are my people. I've been looking for for a company like this for my life my entire life. And and those type of people light up and they they yeah. they take that opportunity and they own that opportunity. And what's cool is I see them outside the work environment. I see their social media. I see this shift in their entire in in their entire persona and how they show up in in the world. And they don't just try to improve people's life and customers' lives in the workplace. They take that home to their kids. They take that to their relatives. They take that to their community. And I see a lot of people doing volunteer work and, and just increasing the level of involvement they have with those around them at, at just a human level, which for me, that just, that just excites me. It gets me just feeling, feeling great. Like I'm doing the right thing. I'm on the right track. Yeah, it's not work anymore when, when the bigger mission is to impact people's lives and, and even the smallest way by holding a door or saying thank you or calling somebody on time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Think about it. It doesn't have to yeah. be crazy. You don't need to be a million or a billionaire to do this. Anybody can do it with living in a box. It doesn't matter. You can still just be, be the light in someone's day. Even if they're having, especially, especially Justin, I found the people that are that need it the most are the ones that usually push back the hardest, right? The I clients that are just on the, they just have a lot of pressure. They got a lot of stuff going on. They get real snippy with you and immediately our, yeah. our judge kicks in. Right. And we start, our ego is like, yeah, well, screw them. Yeah. I can't believe they talk <laughs> yep. to me that way when all the, the, they're reaching out for compassion is what they're doing. When you spin that around again, you're a Tony fan, you get this, right? So it's like, you yeah. spin that around you're like, how's your day? And they get nasty. It's like, I get it, but you know, isn't it beautiful out today? And pretty soon you're like, well, well, yeah, it kind of is. And pretty soon the whole tonality changes, everything changes, their body language changes. And you're like, huh, interesting. Most people just, they, they want to push them away. But when you bring them in, you learn something. That, that's really good. I, I like that, that insight. I think that that shows up a lot in our team and, mm -hmm. and our guys, especially the guys on the job site. And you're working for these really successful, highly stressed Silicon Valley executives and they go through it, you know, and just the fact mm -hmm. of uh, like our guys, we had this great story, like this, you know, wife comes home, husband's not there and, and she's got a trunk full of groceries and she's on the phone and, and they're like, Hey, can we, can we help you carry your groceries in? And she was just like, that would be amazing. Yeah. Thank you. And yeah. they helped carry the groceries in. they brought the trash cans in for her. And it was just such a cool cool moment. And then we share those stories. You know, we share those stories within our team. We have communication networks we utilize and those stories become almost like this, the breadcrumbs of us doing the right thing and living our purpose of raising the bar. So it's kind of a cool way to perpetuate that type of action. I love that. I love it. And when you have a team like that, you know, I believe a, a business is a vehicle to help everyone in that vehicle to get to their dreams faster. It's not just something that the CEO can sit on top in his big castle and look down at his peasants working like this bunch of bullshit, right? It's a matter of creating yeah. that vehicle to help everyone achieve that dream and, and their dreams and having the right cultural fit is huge. You mentioned earlier when you say you can go out and say something nice to people and they're like, I don't do that. Well, you're probably not going to work well here, right? It's probably time for you to yeah. weed yourself out because it's way too, you know, uh, rainbows and unicorns over here. So, right? Too positive. The energy, it's almost like the opposite side yeah. of a magnet. It pushes 
pushes them away and it attracts the other ones just as fast. So, uh, and the ones that come on board that are with that mission, regardless of what the mission is, they're more, you know, they more find that home. They feel like, wow, this is, this is nice, like a big family for me. And that's, that's really what it's all about. So how do you keep your employees? How do you keep them incentivized? How do you keep them focused besides just feeling good and great environment and all that stuff? Do you have any, any other tricks that you have in order, not tricks isn't the right word, but other strategies yeah. you have in order to make sure yeah. that they're sticking around and cause you're training them. It's a lot of money to do that. A lot of time. How are you keeping them there? Yeah. And that's, you know, that's a question I could, I could answer with just a laundry list of things that we do. Uh, it's not one thing, but I'll, I'll just give some highlights. So first off, we, we talk a lot about how people feel because I think it's really important to have conversations, not just how, how are you doing at work and what's your performance, but how are you feeling at work? And when you can get down to that emotional level and you can connect on a feeling level rather than just a, a maybe technical ability or performance level, you start to find out the real human behind the face that shows up to work. Cause we all kind of, you know, put on a face at work and, and then we put on a different face in our social life or at home. And, and when you can really connect the, the true human to the workplace, you can break through a lot of those barriers that people just automatically set up. And I think over the last 30 years, we've been trained to show up to work in a certain, certain way. Mm-hmm. And when you're, when you're constantly trying to put that face on at work, it's exhausting. And at some point you're just going to get burnout. And, and I think burnout comes a lot from that whole perception that you have to show up with this big persona and this completely different way. Um, if you can break down those, those barriers and get to that personal level, I think people feel more comfortable and, and just want to stick around because they enjoy it. You know, but for me, my, my personal mission, and, and I think everyone should, especially CEOs should have some type of purpose that they live by. <clears throat> and mine is I want to help people achieve success. They didn't think was possible. And when someone comes into the company, I tell that's one of the first things I tell them. I say, I want to help you achieve something you don't think is possible. So what's what's impossible in your mind? What do you think mm. you'll never be able to do? And, and some people, it's really basic. Like they want to they want to travel to Hawaii, and they just thought they'll never be able to get there. So it's like, all right, in the next five years, let's put a plan to help you travel to Hawaii. Let's set up a savings account. Let's do this. Let's defer some of your your payroll into a different account. And we can set this up through direct deposit. So every every week, 75 bucks is going into this account that you never look at. In five years, you'll have a couple grand or more and you could take your family to Hawaii. And like if the government raised taxes by $75 a week, like we'd all pay it and we'd figure it out. But people are reluctant to, to set themselves aside a little money like that and, and almost act like it's a tax on themselves to enjoy something in the future. And I use that story because it's a specific one I've used. and and they did go to Hawaii. It was pretty cool. Um, amazing. But I think it's just, you know, it's just getting to know them. And, and we do a lot of one-to-ones. So me personally, I have 30 one-to-ones a quarter. I meet with our entire management team, pretty much anyone who's in a leadership capacity. I want to sit down with them for an hour every quarter and just see how they're doing. Check in on them, check mm-hmm. in on the family. I find a lot of things out about maybe they're unhappy. They're feeling stuck. They're feeling maybe not uh, not given the attention or support that they need to grow within the company and they're worried the company is outgrowing them when it, with a growing company it's a constant worry that people have mm-hmm. so it's just a chance for me to coach them a little bit give them this you know 
some advice, maybe, maybe just ask them some questions to help them come to a realization of what they need to do next. And, and that type of communication really, I think, improves uh, not only the culture, but employee retention because they know I care about them. They know they have someone to go to. And then beyond that, we, we actually require all of our managers, everyone that leads another person to have a one-to-one once a month with their direct reports. Uh, this goes all the way down to the tradesman level. So entry level, uh, those guys actually do it once a quarter because once a month, just they were, they were saying it's too many meetings. So it's once a quarter and they sit down with the tradesmen, you know, these guys who are making, you know, 18, 20 bucks an hour and they just have a quick chat. Like, how's your morale? Uh, are you enjoying the work? Are you doing this? And you find so many little things out in those one-to-ones that can help get them back on track. And instead of coming into this annual review or waiting for them to quit, you know, you can get ahead of these issues and get ahead of these challenges they're facing. So it's a lot of that, a lot of communication, a lot of one-to-ones. And then beyond that, you've got to create an experience for the employees where it's better than any other company that they would rather work at. Um, for us, a lot of, you know, there's a lot of manual labor involved in landscaping. So our workforce is, is intensely local. So it's not easy to have a remote landscape employee, you know, yeah, unless sure. it's an estimator. Yeah. Uh, so what we have to do is like, we have to make it a really great environment for them. And we have to make sure we keep up with cost of living in this area. The benefit is now, you know, who you compete with for labor. And we constantly evaluate and survey and, and do you know research on other companies in our area to make sure that we are providing the best environment, ideally by a factor of two. Mm-hmm. So when we have employees at our company that leave, we want them to tell all their friends that didn't leave how, how much better K&D was and they, they wish they didn't leave. So we, we really just try to make, the, make us the best place to work. And, and we do that through a number of ways. Um, it's a constant challenge to stay up with that, especially given the hyper inflation we're experiencing in wages. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, we, we try to do our best to keep up with things and, and make sure our employees are enjoying what they do every day. I love that. And how do you empower your team? Um, first, let me back that up. How many do you have on your team at this point currently? So we have 110 employees today. Got it. So 110 employees. How do you keep 110 morales up and mindsets focused and looking forward and like how do you balance all of that it's a lot of storytelling you know and, mm. and it's when i say storytelling i mean we talk about the vision constantly we talk about that three three thirty million by 2030 and we've evolved it a little bit we say 300 by 2030 which is 300 employees by 2030 <clears throat> and we say look guys <clears throat> excuse me we're at 100 employees today we want to be at 300 employees in you know eight years Think of how many promotional opportunities there are between now and then. You know, think about how many opportunities there are for you to make more money, for you to take more leadership, for you to grow in the company. And that gets people really excited. And once we get that drumbeat going and we are constantly talking about that, the team is, you know, they're bought into that. They're bought into this growth that they can find a higher level of engagement because there's this bigger opportunity for them down the road where you have a company that's just like, Hey guys, we're just going to work our ass off today. And hopefully it's still in business next year. Like you feel like you've hit a ceiling at that company and you're like, well, where's the next promotion? Where's my next growth opportunity. And in today's world, especially with millennial and now Gen Z workforce, you, you need to give them this roadmap of how they're going to earn more money and how they're going to grow not only financially, 
but also just, just culturally and personally. And if you don't have that roadmap for them, that they're going to leave your company immediately uh, for someone who, who's articulated that vision more clearly. Uh, one example of how we do this is I do a monthly newsletter with a CEO message and, and it's a, it's a full page, you know, typed up and we package this up and we mail it to the home. We don't give it to the employees anymore. We actually send it to their home and we address it like, you know, the family of the Satellos or whatever it is. And, and we, and like they get that newsletter and usually it's the wife of the kids opening this mm-hmm. newsletter, reading the message. The message is in both English and Spanish. And now we are connecting the family with where the company is going. And I constantly, for two paragraphs in every CEO message, I talk about how, where we just were and where we're going short term, kind of month to month and quarter to mm-hmm. quarter. So we just, we stay on top of that vision. We stay on top of that roadmap. And it's almost like, you know, Google's just like, you know, take a left here. We're, we're kind of keeping up with that roadmap of where we're at, where we are. When we get off track, we talk about it, how to get back on track. Uh, when we're on track, we celebrate it and, and talk about the next steps. So that's, that's, that's one of my favorite things I do. I love it. I, love, I can see you lighting up right now. It's so nice to see. And you get it, man. You get it. So, all right. So I know that, you know, oftentimes in business, when you first start out and don't having, not having any kind of business background for some listeners, they're like, all right, great. So I've got to come up with a vision. I just don't want to fail. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that, <laughs> yeah. that's the standard at this point. Like, I just don't want to look like an idiot that I did this whole yeah. thing. I quit my job and I told my family we're doing this and I have no idea what I'm doing. Now, all of a sudden I have this, I have bills. I have all these expectations of me. I don't really know how to sell. I really don't know how to design. I really don't know how to run a business. I don't really know how to do the books. Like I got to figure it all out as we go. Now, you know, I, I, I typically say that most you know, businesses in that mindset, they start out like, imagine this, it's a family vacation, right? You said, okay, we're going to leave on the 1st of March. So the family gets in the car, they start the car and they look around. They're like, where are we going? I don't know. Like I have a week. What are we going to do? I don't know. Where are we going to go left or right? You want to go forward, backwards? And all of a sudden chaos breaks out in the car, right? Like, I don't know if yeah. I want to go on this. Are we going to the beach? Are we going to the mountains? Are we, where are we going? So that, and I, I use that because no one would do that. What you would do is say, we're going to go to here. If you're in New York, say we're going to California, right? All right, cool. Mm-hmm. Great. How are we going to get there? Well, GPS is going to take us. We're going to fly, whatever, right? Say it's the GPS. You're going to plug in your coordinates, your vision of where you want to go. It's going to figure out along the way what it is. Now, we don't have a GPS for business. That's where coaches and everything help us out, right? And teams and, <laughs> yeah. and all that. But you have a destination. You have a goal. Now, maybe a halfway through, you decide, no, I want to stop in St. Louis. And that's the end of the trip. It's okay. At least everyone on that in that car ride with you knows where you're going. They all agree that's the best way to go. So trying to give a metaphor for people starting out that they start. And that's how I started in business. I started because I could make more in business than I could working at a restaurant that I worked at, you know, in the very beginning when I was, I was like, I'd be my own boss. This can be great. But then I had no vision. Then I brought employees in. Next thing you know, like, where are we going, boss? And I'm like, I don't know. Just keep making money. You know what I mean? And they're like, that's not going to work. I don't know how long I'm going to stick out with this. So once we started building visions and and I'm basically building up to a bigger question here, but once I built a vision, even though I didn't know it was perfect yet, it's what lit me up and the team up at the time. And we went that way. Then every quarter, half year, year, we adjust. We're like, we're going here. It's it's where we want to, I want to go. And it's, so my bigger question is how do you start building a vision for your team 
when you're new at this, when you're a new business owner trying to figure out what the hell you're even doing. It's a great metaphor too. I like that because it's so true. It's it's how so many businesses are uh, are ran, and really how my my parents' company was ran for yep. 25 years, and they did Mine okay. Too. You know, yeah. <laughs> Mine too. They, I, I, yes. Yeah. They 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 provided a good life. Um, so. I think it's like this. I, I think you need, I think you need help on the vision. I don't think it's something that you find on your own. And I'm, I'm a big believer in coaches. I, mm-hmm. I've worked with the same coach since 2015. I've added coaches and I've added peer groups and I've added uh, mentors throughout my last seven years, you know, but, but our initial coach, Jonathan, he, you know, we just sat down in this planning session, just him and I, and it probably was like three or four hours. And we just went through this, vision planning session. And it was just like, what do you, you know, why are you, why do you want to grow K and D? It's like, I want my family to have enough money so we can all work here. And okay, well, why is that important? And why is that important? And it's a lot of seven why levels. questions to seven levels. Yeah, baby. To drill. You, know yep. you, you know, it. And, and you yep. drill down, but at the beginning, sometimes you just kind of have to throw something out there and just say, yep. you know what? I, like, I think first it's like, do you want to grow or, or do you, you know, is there a size of a company you want to kind of be at? I think that's something that a lot of people can probably answer at some point, you know, and, and again, it's going to change, but you kind of start with maybe just where do you want to go with this company from a size standpoint? And, and then what's deeper than that? Why do you want to go there? Mm -hmm. And what does that look like? What does that feel like? What does it taste like? What is that, you know, in, in 10 years, it's a good number we use in 10 years, you know, what does that look like? And, and close your eyes and describe every little detail. And for me, you know, I, I would describe, all right, we're a $30 million company. We have, <clears throat> we have four branches. We operate in this area. We do this, we do that. And I would describe down to the trucks we drove. We had these kind of trucks and these kind of lawnmowers. And, and this is our revenue mix. This is our ideal client mix. And when you can define where you are at a moment in time, 10 years in advance to the detail of what kind of trucks you, your company has, that is where the vision becomes reality. And, and you can bring that back and, and communicate it in just, you know, ideally one sentence to your team of where that's going to be. And, you know, I know you know this term, it's, it's the big, hairy, audacious goal. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, let's, let's set something that's so big that seems impossible at the time but that we can all get behind. And, and even if we come close to that number, we're going to be successful. And for yeah. us, that was at 30 million. You know, when you're a million dollar company and you say, after 25 years of being a million dollar company, mm-hmm. it's like, we're going to go to 30 million. You know, everyone looked at me like I was crazy. And that was okay. Because mm-hmm. they all still were like, well, even if we get to like 10 million, that'd be cool. So mm-hmm. yeah, sometimes it's just a matter of, of throwing something out there and, and start going, you know, just start getting after it. I love it. I love it, dude, man. We're speaking the same language. I love this. You know, it, it's not, and I know Tony says this and you'll appreciate it, but it's not the goal that we're after guys. It's the person we have to become to achieve that goal. That's the bigger piece. Yes. That's really the true success in all of this because money's just money. But when you look back, as Justin's doing now and seeing a family business that was awesome, right? It was uh, his family, they, they made a living. They, they basically had a, a, a paycheck supplement, right? It, but there was no vision <laughs> yeah. for long-term, you know? And then there's the whole concept of, am I worth it? Am I, it, it, am I capable? It, am I enough? Like all of these things go through our heads. But when you sit down and just cut all that shit out of your mind and you just say, you know what? Why not? 
I got one shot at this. Why not go for the big BHAG? Why not go for the big goal? Why? I can't figure out how I'm going to do it now, but it's okay. If it's clear and, and it's crazy as shit as when the, the universe conspires to help you when you have a clear idea of what you want and all of a sudden doors open that you never even saw were doors and you're sitting back thinking like, wow, it's only because you believed in yourself at the time and that you believe there was more available for you out there. Even if you didn't have a clear idea, like you mentioned trucks, like you're probably thinking, I want to have 10 trucks at this time, whatever. Right. And you start thinking like, how am I going to do that? Not why you figure you already figured out the why, right? So it's like, now how are we going to yeah. do that? Cool. Who do I got to hire to do that? Okay, cool. How many projects do we need? Like, what does that look like? Who's our ideal client? And in this whole, like almost childlike enthusiasm kicks back up because you kicked your stupid shit out of your head and you can't do it. You can't do it. The world told you you can't do it. You're going to fail. You're going to look like an idiot. And then all of a sudden you sit back and you're like, hold my beer, watch me. <laughs> right? And yeah. the next thing you know, you're like, who is this person possessing my body right now? It's, have you found that to be true? Josh, man, you're, you're right on it. I, I really like that because something that I, and first off, yes, definitely true. And I can vouch for it of, I have zero qualifications to run a business. Mm -hmm. Nothing Same in my, way. in my experience, history, college, I didn't go to college. I don't have any training specifically. Yeah, I've read a lot. I've done some seminars, but at the end of the day, look, you, there is no there is no CEO certification, and, and yeah. there's nothing that says you have to do this before you do that. And I think a lot of people stall and question themselves, and they say, "Well, once I get that certification, I'm going to start this business," or "Or once I do this, I'm going to do that." And it, it's just like, just look, get started. You know, there's yeah. there's nothing that. There's nothing that you can't do if you put your mind to it. And there's always going to be naysayers. There's always going to be people who say you're out of your you know realm. You got no business doing this and you should stop now. This is going to end badly for you. But if you believe in yourself and you work your ass off every single day and you're willing to put in the hard work and the time and be humble and fail, like you can achieve great things. There's nothing that separates the people listening today from the Elon Musks and the Jeff Bezos and, you know, the, the great leaders of our generation. I mean, there's really no difference between you and them other than just they got after it. They took massive risks and they created massive action mm -hmm. and it led to massive results. So, you know, my advice would just, yeah. Put your beer down and get to work, get after it, hustle and, and <laughs> see where you can take it, you know? I love that. I love it. Cause I mean, I think what, and you can add to this if you like, but I think that there's like three factors that really drive people that change the world and change other people's lives. One, there's an insatiable hunger and a hunger to not just prove yourself or prove to yourself, but a hunger and a curiosity for what's possible. And then a steadfast belief in yourself, which I will say, by the way, listeners does not come easy because when you're pushing that hard, you're going to find the edges pretty damn quick and you're going to have to either believe in yourself or you're going to give the hell up. So you're like, all right, I might not have all the answers yet, but I'm going to keep pushing and I will figure it out. But there's that, that steadfast belief. And that's part of that becoming that is so important about the belief in yourself. It's so powerful. Have you found that to be true as well? Yeah. Absolutely. I, I think the belief in oneself is something that is easily lost. And I'll be honest, you know, I don't want to sit here and say that things are, this is easy or I just, you know, it's a straight, straight road or graph up into the right. I mean, there are, there are dips, 
challenges, moments in time that I go through and say like, like total imposture of I, I'm not, I shouldn't be doing this or I can't do this or, you know, I need to hire a CEO because this is really, I'm out of my realm here. And, and you get this feeling of not being good enough, you know, and it's really quick and easy to fall off that mindset and, and get into this mode of self-doubt and limiting beliefs. Like, like we're not going to actually do that. Or what if we fail? What if we lose money? What if we go out of business? All these what ifs creep into your head and pretty soon you're stalled out, you know, and we live in an age of information where there is a lot of stories of failure and a lot of stories of success. And our brains Mm -hmm. naturally move towards the stories of failure because we've kind of been trained by the media and by, by just our social norms to, to migrate and, and move towards negativity. It's just more familiar and it makes us feel better because if other people are failing, then our failures aren't as bad. That's right. So, you know, you got to just really, you know, double down on yourself. And at the end of the day, if, if you can just believe in yourself and have the self-determination to get through those low points. And again, I go back to the coach, like have a coach you can go to and say, I am struggling. Like, I don't think I'm doing the right things. And a lot of times it's not that you're doing the wrong things. It's just maybe you're spending your time in, in the wrong areas and you just got to reprioritize. Maybe if you got to let someone go, who's really struggling and, and you're struggling with that conversation, whatever the challenge you're facing, you know, hard work and determination and self-belief. I think I agree. It'll get you through those tough times. I love that. Now, Justin, how do you keep your mindset? clear and focused because we all have those we get to certain points where like i don't know if i can get over this hill like this is a big one i don't i've never done this before i mean i even have that as well at times where i'm just looking i'm like holy shit like what am i gonna do here i've never (laughs) done this before like i think i bit off way too more much more than i should chew here and but you have to come back to a core like i have a certain set of rituals that i have that keep me focused and keep me moving forward how do you manage that that's a good question. I've, I, you know, this last year has been definitely a struggle because, like I said, we've kind of got to that ten million, and now we're now we're building the rocket to go to twenty. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of self doubt as far as the investments we're making in, in new team members and investments we're making in technology and software. Uh, we're rolling out a couple new business models and a, and a couple new uh, going after some new segments. And there's this constant back and forth of, are we doing the right things? Cause we're spending literally millions on it. And if it's wrong, like it could, it could tank us. Mm-hmm. So I have to get back, you know, it really goes back to meditation. It gets back to exercise. And, you know, I got to say my, my fiance, my future wife, she helps me work through this stuff. And, and if you have a spouse who's willing to listen, you got to be careful. You don't want to overdo that. And, and, mm-hmm talk too much about business, but you got to find someone you can confide in and be just your authentic self-doubting self and and Mm -hmm. be able to just tell them everything you're feeling. And sometimes I use my phone, I just put it on record and I'll just talk into that and then listen to it back. And it's like, Oh, get out, get over this. This isn't that bad. You know, you can do this. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's meditation, it's exercise. It's talking to someone who can really listen to you. And then finally, it's going back and reading books. Uh, like right now I'm reading uh, the everything store, which is a story about Amazon. Uh, or I just read the uh, shoe dog, the story of Phil mm. Knight and Nike. Yeah. And you read these Good stories one. of everyday people and you listen to some of the shit they went through and some of the places they were at. And it gives you this feeling of, Oh man, like they built these billion dollar companies 
like I'm good. I can definitely do what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it's also listening to other people's challenges and then seeing the result of their success to know that there's nothing that separates them between you other than a lot of hard work and a lot of maybe the right decisions. So let's just get to work, you know, and, and let that stuff out. It's okay to vent. And then let's get back in the saddle and keep moving. I love that dude, man. I could go on for days with you, Justin. Maybe we'll have you back on. I love this kind of conversation. <laughs> Me too, man. This is really good. So Justin, how can people find you? Uh, where are you hiding out there? If they're curious about your business or but these want to flat out reach out to you because you're awesome. Like what would, what would be the best way for that? Yeah, I'm, I'm super open. Like I said, I reach out to a lot of other business owners and ask for advice and I try to do the same for myself. And one thing I've been doing a lot of is just coaching and, and jumping on Zoom with struggling business owners and my goal is actually at the end of the year is I'm working on launching a coaching a business and I've, I've put together a small team of other entrepreneurs and a few other um, more, more coaching focused, experienced people. So stay tuned for that. You know, LinkedIn is going to be the best place to keep up with me. That's where I post most of my content and just kind of try to speak to the world. Uh, you can find me there, Justin White, San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, the other way you can search is K and D landscaping. It's Kendall and Dawn, K and D. I just typed that into Google and you can check out our website. We do a lot of posts on Instagram and LinkedIn. Um, so yeah, search me on LinkedIn, Instagram, or uh, Facebook, not as active on Facebook anymore, but really the website and LinkedIn is the best place. Uh, I'm really excited about the coaching thing we're working on. It's, it's going to, it's going to be exciting. It's going to include a podcast and it's going to be all geared towards really second generation business owners who are looking to take their family business to the next level. It's going to be our that, focus. Man. I love it. Guys, listen to the, you know, as they, he comes out here, you know, make sure you hook up with this guy. He's definitely the real deal. Um, big question for you is uh, you going to UPW November live? I'm working on it. Yeah. Nice. I, yeah. I'm I look really looking forward to it. I haven't been to the UPW since 2019 in person, wow. you know, because COVID. Yep. So I've, I've been missing that. I did one of the virtual ones. It was okay, but it just yeah. wasn't the same as being in the room. For sure. I, I want to get back in the room. Yeah. That's awesome, dude. Well, dude, if you do go, uh, and you know, I'm definitely going to be there. I, I'm going to be crewing again. So, um, oh, nice. so de yeah, definitely let me know if you are. I'd love to, you know, connect with you and, and, uh, you know, see what's going on and just, you know, be cool to see each other for real. But, uh, guys, you know, Today has been a great uh, has been a great podcast with Justin White here, and you know that Dwayne and I we have uh, the passion to, you know, impact and empower two million contractors in the next five years, and that's that's our our BHAG or you know big hairy audacious goal. Uh, it keeps us motivated and pushing forward. That's the vision, right? It's not just about trying to take; it's about trying to give as much as we possibly can by introducing you to amazing people like Justin, and to hopefully throughout the last you know fifty four minutes you've had the opportunity to learn a few things, take some notes, and if you find value in what you hear here, please share it with your friends, share it with somebody who's struggling, someone that Justin might be able to help, someone that we might be able to help, someone that maybe just the message alone is important. You just never know where people are in their day. So guys, do you have any, Justin, do you have any parting words before we uh, finish up here? I just say, uh, stay hungry, stay curious, yeah. keep learning. Yeah. I love it. I love it, brother. All right, guys, catch you next week.